Thanks to Greg Williams, the Jets are still atop the tank for Trevor. After an embarrassing defensive play call, Gang Green lost in the final seconds to the Raiders to remain winless, dropping to 0-12 on this nightmare season. We'll break down the late game collapse, Sam Darnold struggles, the mixed emotions across the board, and we'll also talk about the Jets' cap space this offseason with over-the-cap founder and Jets fan, Jason Fitzgerald. All that and more next on an all-out blitz for no reason edition of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown and Brian Costello here to uh, commiserate with you, laugh with you, smile, yell, do it all after a 31-28 Jets loss for the ages. Now, let me just take you through the, the, the rare, you know, two cases of emotions that were going on. This went from what was going to be the most frustrating win in a long time for Jets fans, and it quickly turned into an exuberant and exciting loss. Now, that's the fans' angle. That's many fans saying, Tank for Trevor, still alive. The Jaguars end up winning. We'll get to that. Everyone's excited. Now, the real thing that happens in winning football games and the players and the mindset of everyone else outside of fans who want Trevor Lawrence is, what the hell is Greg Williams doing? He does a cover zero, sends eight guys against Carr. The only option for the Raiders is to throw a Hail Mary in that situation. A 46-yard touchdown gets past Lamar Jackson, Henry Ruggs, and his 4-2-40. And the game ends essentially like that. The Jets would have another shot. They had their own Hail Mary that failed. But my God, guys, Monday morning, if Greg Williams' bags aren't packed and ready to go, you're concerned because he was already getting fired. But there is absolutely no reason... For him to send the house like he did. And he did. He did the inevitable. In a season cause full of inevitables. In a year full of inevitables. In 2020 full of inevitables. That was the most inevitable. And the Jets are 0-12. What a wild finish to a wild game for you to cover, Kaz. Yeah, I was sitting there when they got the stop on the fourth down in the end zone and you know, there was a minute and 30 left or whatever. I was sitting there going in my head, can they actually lose this game? Like, can they still lose? Or does it, I almost tweeted jets win. And I'm like, no, they could probably still lose because the Raiders had two timeouts. But, I mean, Jake, the odds of them losing that game, I mean, it had to be just so tiny. I know there's probably models all over the internet saying the Jets had a 99% chance to win. It was just stunning. You know, Greg Williams is an egomaniac. We know that. It's And he wanted to feed his ego on the last call, and he wanted to try to sack the quarterback. But what he did was just he lost the game for the Jets. And, like, as a, as a football coach – I know we all say like, hey, Gase loses games or Todd Bowles lost games or whoever. Like, no, like he lost the game. Like that, I don't know how he faces his players, Jake. And Marcus May, who I've covered for four years now and is as even killed a guy as I've been around. Like Marcus does not say much. He came in to talk to us on the Zoom call and he said eight times that we, like we should have had a better call. 
like, and that's as pointed a criticism of coach as you're going to get from Marcus. I asked Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold said, "It is what it is," which is as, as far as Sam is going to go. Like these players and coaches are furious with Greg right now, and I don't know how he faces them on Monday. Like, and and he doesn't strike me as a guy, Jake, that's going to stand in front of the room and say, "My bad," like I screwed up. Like he thinks he invented football, so he's gonna. I don't think he's going to apologize for this, and I get. There's a large segment of the fan base that wants them to get Trevor Lawrence, that wants them to be with the number one pick. And maybe five years from now, Trevor Lawrence is great. We'll look back at this game and say, oh, remember that? That was key. But right now, I mean, my heart goes out for these players and coaches because they're busting their asses. And like, you'd like to see them get a little taste of victory. Uh, you know, one in 15 isn't going to be much of a consolation, but it's better than being 0 in 16, Jake. And Kaz, despite Sam Darnold turning the ball three over three times, you still were in position to win this game. I mean, they made so many mistakes, um, and the Raiders just made more mistakes, but in the end, it really just comes down to that. And like you said, Marcus May, you know, he said that situation has to be a better call. We got to execute, but you got to help us out at the same time, and he didn't. How about this, Jake? That's the first time the Jets have run for 200 yards in two years. The last time they ran for 200 yards was the game against the Broncos when Isaiah Crowell set the team record. He ran for 219 yards that day. They haven't had a 100-yard rusher since that day. So Ty Johnson, the legendary Ty Johnson, goes over 100 yards. It's incredible because, like, they've had Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore and, you know, all these different guys. Bilal Powell since then, none of them had 100 yards. Ty Johnson, who... I'm going to guess not many Jets fans even knew who he was before today. Goes for 100 yards. And Josh Adams had 74 yards. So, like, it was the Raiders. Obviously, they won the game. They got out of here. But, man, they got some issues right now. I keep – I think I probably said this every week, Jake, for the last five weeks or something. I keep waiting for the Jets to pack it in and give up. And, like, I don't know how many body blows they can take. Because this one is just – this one – I thought the Patriots game was probably as bad as it was going to get. Like, losing that game on Monday Night Football when you had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. This one was worse. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's just amazing. And if this game mattered, Jake, it would have a name. Like, that's what, that's what the kind of game it was. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know, the miracle at the Meadowlands. It's the Becton butt crack game. Makai Becton's <laughs> butt cracked. The, his butt crack popped out. Unfortunately, he got hurt again. It seems like every game. He came back Mekhi, in the game, though. He came back in. So yeah, he's all right. well, let's, let's hope he uh, stays in the field because in four games left, there's not a ton to watch for. But the Becton butt crack game, the Greg Williams game, I don't know what we called, the all-out blitz, all blitz for Trevor game. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. But uh, the Jets made an unprecedented call. And you know, ESPN stats and info tweeted this. There were 252 plays meeting this criteria the last 15 seasons, final 15 seconds, down four to eight points, 40 plus yards to the end zone. And they were the first defense ever to send six plus pass rushers in that situation. So that tells you all you need to know. There's never a defensive coordinator that does what he did. And you know what? This isn't Darrell Revis. And you know, we talked about before, even if Darrell Revis is out there, you're putting him in a bad spot. Yeah, you don't do that. It's you're playing the odds, Jake. You're playing the odds. Like you're up by four, so the field goal is erased. You know you can give up 45 yards. They're at the 46. You can give up 45 yards, and you're fine. There's 13 seconds left. So what is that? Two plays at best. All you had to do was keep them in front of you. Just keep it. And you know what's crazy, Jake? This might be the craziest part of this whole thing. Greg Williams is known for blitzing, right? He's hardly blitzed at all this year because he knows what he has in the secondary. So he's played this really soft zone defense, kept everything in front of him. Remember the Patriots game we just referenced. Cam Newton throws it 18 yards to set up the field goal because they played soft. But like I sort of understood why he was playing that because you have rookie quarterbacks. You have, they had four rookies 
in the secondary because Javelin Guidry was playing slot corner for some reason. So it's just mind-boggling. The only thing I can think of, the only play I think of that was similar, Jake, Rex did a zero blitz. You remember the Tebow game? You remember when Tebow beat the Jets? Yeah, yes, yes. So that was a zero blitz, and Tebow ran around the outside and scored like a 20-yard touchdown to win that game. And it was a stupid call then because with Tebow, with him, you just had to keep everything in front of you. By blitzing, they gave him running lanes that he ran past them. But but this one tops that one. This one this one is worse. This one is even worse than that one. Yeah, and in respect to Tebow, there are uh, there are some Jets fans praying to the Lord and Jesus Christ that you know Trevor Lawrence ends up a Jet. I'll admit, I screamed uh, joyfully when they scored that touchdown, and that's frustrating for me. It's frustrating. How much pressure is on Trevor Lawrence? Like, uh, he's can we great. talk about? Like he didn't play well yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did you watch it? Did you watch him all for G Tech? No. He was bad. He was bad, Jake. He was bad. Like so, like this idea that Trevor Lawrence is gonna walk in here and walk on water. I like I'm not so sure, man. Like, I'm not so sure. This isn't basketball where one guy solves your problems. There's no such thing as a sure thing to me. This isn't LeBron James. You know, this this isn't that. Like this this is so like and if if the Jets end up getting him, like, is there gonna be ever been an athlete that's gonna have this much pressure on him in New York? Ever? Uh, I'd have to go through the archives for that one, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the pressure's on him to save the franchise. Yeah, think about that because it doesn't happen really in baseball because they go to the minor leagues forever. So even like when a top prospect gets called up, they've already proven that they can kind of play baseball by the time they come up, you know. And, and they some of them flame out, but like I don't know. And like basketball, I can't think of the last guy who came here who was expected to completely save the Knicks at all. Um, and I'm not I'm not a big enough hockey guy to know that. But like this is. This is going to be immense, immense pressure if this guy ends up here. Yeah, and immense pressure on the next head coach. So it's not a re- continuing revolving door of head coaches to, uh, you know, develop him and make him great as well. And I loved Amy Trask's tweet, too, here about Greg Williams. She said, I'm absolutely thrilled for you Raiders fans because I love you. Enjoy this moment. What the heck? It's part of your celebration. Send Greg Williams a thank you gift. On a related note, if I owned the Jets, I would tell Greg not to come to work Monday. Um, so yeah, even the like, nicest, of, even the nicest of ladies, cause I mean, Amy Trask is like one of the nicest people yeah. out there. Even she's ripping Greg Williams. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's inexcusable. Like it, it really is. And, and one other portion, cause I've gotten this a few emails about this already, Jake, like some people said, you know, this is on Gase too. He should have, he should have overruled the call. And I can understand that. I, but like, to me, the criticism there is this setup and the way this is, the way this is set up is Greg Williams has complete autonomy over the defense and Adam Gase said it the day he was hired that he was going to hire a defense corner that was going to be the defensive head coach i think that's crap and i think that's a lesson for the jets to learn from this is like the next guy better have his finger on everything it's been too long here where they're like the head coach is worried about one side of the ball like rex was like that todd bowles was like that to a degree lesser than rex and adam gase is like that and you see what joe judge is doing across town and the giants look good and he's kind of he's not calling plays he just he's just being a head coach, the the Jets have to hire a head coach that's going to be that. That's going to be a, a leader and not a play caller. Like you know, I know Eric Bieniemy is going to be hot because the Chiefs' offense is great. That's not what I'm looking for. I mean, and maybe Eric Bieniemy fits the criteria of what I'm looking for. You have to find out in an interview, but they need a guy who's going to have his finger on everything. And that's the criticism of Gase here to me. It's not. I I think Adam Gase would be wrong to all of a sudden overrule a call at the end of a game if he's let if he's let Greg Williams call every play for the last two years. You know what I mean? But like, it's the setup that sucks to me cause karma is a b-i-t-c-h because greg williams you know remember he threw kind of the offense under the bus <laughs> earlier in the season and now marcus may and everyone else essentially throwing him under the bus and 
Yeah, it, it's, it's not even, this isn't thrown under the bus though, Jay. Like Marcus May, like I, because to some degree, I think throwing under the bus is unjustified. Like I think that means you're kind of speaking out of turn. I think every criticism he gets here is deserved. I think Marcus handled it really well. He didn't say it, call him out by name. He just made it clear. And I'm sure Marcus was representing the defensive players and how they felt because they played their asses off, right? I mean, they played really well. That that They got a stop there when they had to get a stop. It wasn't pretty. They had all those penalties. And then they get killed by their coach. Like, I just can't imagine how sick they all are right now. Yeah, and he's the guy who's got to speak there. You're not going to have, you know, Ron Gidry's grandson uh, speaking, uh, whoever that is. So, uh, Javelin Gidry, Javelin yeah. Gidry. G- ja- Javelin Gidry, yes. I, I'll, I'll yeah. tell you, I, I didn't know who that was. So I, maybe that doesn't make me a true and blue Jets fan, but I didn't even know who he was. So uh, he might be the 53rd man on the roster for all I know. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're hitting that point of the season. Cause we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about Sam Darnold stinking. I mean, he had the two touchdowns. He, he played better than in past weeks. And I know Mekhi Becton, and some people tweeted me, like, he, he made a couple of mistakes, and that led to those fumbles, but he didn't get rid of the ball in time. He made a bad interception, uh, just another rookie mistake kind of throw that turned into an interception. It's just, again, you, you saw the the one or two plays, the two touchdowns. You saw him really go head first into the end zone on that you know, the run, and then the bizarre two-point conversion penalties left and right. Um, but again, not a great day for Sam Darnold. And, you know, we're getting a week and week and week closer to the end of the Darnold era. I thought he played better than last week, Jake. I, I did think that. I thought, I thought he was terrible against the Dolphins. I thought he made some plays, you know. But, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. And on the, uh, the sacks, you know, here's the thing that's tough if you're an offensive lineman. Let's say they have – I don't know how many plays they had today, but let's say they had 60 plays. If you mess up two of those 60 plays, you had a bad game. That's tough. It's a tough standard, and Becton got beat, and he's, he's a rookie. He's going to get beat. You know, the one was just a speed move. The other one was a game they played where the guy – Farrell was inside, and he came outside and, and got, got inside Becton for the sack. But to me, Donald has to have better pocket awareness there. Like, he the, – the, the scary thing to me on those fumbles was he, he just – he didn't feel the rush coming at all. Like, and he was pretty good at that early on, I thought. And and just, you know, that, and then the interception was a terrible throw. Look, I, to me, the decision is in on Sam Darnold. I know people, oh, this is a, this is an evaluation. The evaluation is over for me. Like, I think I know what Sam Darnold is and I've, I think you see it every week. You know, he makes some good plays, but there's a lot of bad plays too, and I just don't think he's ever going to be the guy that's going to carry a team. Yeah, I'm just hoping we don't see four great games from him and then the Jets are sold that they're bringing him back. You know, Gase had the, you know, the Jets went from 1-7 and seven to 7-9 seven and nine last season. Uh, kind of a mirage in that second half. You, that can't I don't happen. Think that's happening. I don't think that's happening, Jake. I mean, they, they've got... Four pretty good teams left on the schedule. I know the Seahawks lost to the Giants, but they're still a good team. The Rams are a good team. The Browns were a really impressive win Sunday over the Titans. And then the Patriots blew the Chargers out, right? I I, I saw a little bit of that game. I think the, I don't think that the Jets are going to go on any <laughs> kind of streak here. And I think I think it's safe. Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Pats. The Jaguars are what was I was right after that game ended. You know, Red Zone. It was the 200th edition of Red Zone, and my God, it was the it was the greatest witching hour of all time. There was shenanigans going on. Yeah, you missed. I mean, it was nuts. I mean, game here, this that. Uh, I went from about winning parlays to losing in a heartbeat. But uh, the Jaguars. They send this game to overtime somehow, and you think they had a shot in overtime, and they lose. So. Um, you know, maybe maybe the Jaguars do squeak one out. Maybe they win against the Bears that second of last week. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're they're not, they're playing hard. It looks like I haven't seen much of their games, but I was following the score along. Mike Glennon, baby, I told you, keep him in it. <laughs> 
So, yeah, maybe they could beat the Bears. So that'd be a revenge game for Mike Lennon, right? He was a Bears quarterback a couple years ago. So maybe they can maybe they can win that one and Jets fans could breathe a little bit and, and root for a win. Would you root for a win, Jake, if the if the Jaguars won? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to okay. go 0-16. I only want to go 0-16 because they're losing the tiebreaker to the Jaguars. So, uh, you know, it's a weird position, As you're, and you're right. Like, if Trevor Lawrence stinks, God, this is even extra depressing. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're rooting for 0-16 and then watch him be garbage, and then, you know, we're back to square once. This is the Jets, Jake. Just, just to remind you, this is the Jets. Nothing usually works out that well for them. So, you know, I'd be a little surprised if everything just goes smoothly for them and they land the greatest quarterback uh, in the last 20 years or something. So we'll see. All right. Well, history in the making on Sunday. The Jets are 0-12 for the first time in franchise history. We'll preview their matchup with the Seahawks on Thursday. The Jets are just bad. Adam Gase is lying. What the hell is going on with Adam Gase? Here's the first play, and the game is over. You can't even do that in Madden. The tank for Trevor is still alive. It's now time for Jake's Take, where our gang's all here, bald-headed, dad-botted, ranting and raving co-host sounds off on the Jets. And this week, he's got an all-out blitz of emotions. Take it away, Jake. What a bizarre time to be a fan of the New York Jets. Absolute misery. But what is wild about this whole thing is here I am as a Jets fan begging, pleading for them to lose a football game that they very clearly should have won. They had all the victory in their hands until Greg Williams drew up a play call that Stevie Wonder, Helen Keller, the Little Giants peewee football team would not have drawn up. You would not put an engage eight on in Madden in that situation. Absolute buffoonery from Greg Williams. Put a clown all over his face. He's leading the circus tomorrow morning. How are you a Jets defender and you look at your boss, your defensive coordinator, without laughing at him, without saying, you suck. You are a bum. How do you go to work and not do that? Because every single one of them thinks that you drew up the worst play call of all time. And guess what, Greg? You did. But what continues to be wild to me and to the Jets fan base is that we're begging for losses. I forgot what it's like to win football games. I forgot the joyful feeling of winning a football game. I screamed and yelled off my couch when they lost. When Henry Ruggs caught that ball, it felt like a Jets Super Bowl. And that's how low our expectations have become. That's how low it has gotten to be a fan of the Jets right now, is that you're hoping and pleading that Trevor Lawrence is the guy. You're hoping and pleading that the Jaguars keep losing. You're hoping and pleading that the Jaguars win one game. You're hoping and pleading that the Jaguars don't tie you at 1-15 because then you fall to Justin Fields or another quarterback. And that's a depressing feeling. All the things we're going through in 2020, you're wearing a mask over your face for COVID reasons. If you're a Jets fan, you're wearing a mask over your face and a bag over your head for the reasons that you're rooting for your team to lose. You're rooting for ineptitude. And if there's something that culminates this Jets season and this Jets decade for the franchise, it's that Hail Mary from Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs. And it's the aftermath where the players are saying, you got to do us better. 
You got to call a better play. And Greg Williams, you did it. What a disgrace and what a weird time to be a Jets fan. And as I say every episode, and it works just apropos, when you lose to the Raiders, just lose, baby. Joining us now is a fellow deprived Jets fan like me. It is Jason Fitzgerald from OverTheCap.com. He's the founder of OverTheCap.com, author of Crunching Numbers and author of The Drafting Stage. Follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC. Jason, it's Jake Brown, Brian Costello. Welcome to Gangs All Here, man. What a day, what a game, huh? What a season it's been in here in 2020. Uh, what a decade it's been. What a season. Uh, you know, it's it's just a, a bad, bad time. And today was, you know, today was something. I, I can't really recall too many games <laughs> that, that kind of went like that where, uh, you know, most of the people are rooting against the Jets, I think, it's at that point. But to, to be up like that and then to lose on that kind of a defensive play call right at the end, I mean, just just crazy. Yeah, what what is going through Greg Williams' mind? Do you have any explanation for, you know, an all-out blitz there? The, the only thing I could think of was that, he just wanted to end that game with someone getting their hands on the quarterback. I don't know if they really had uh, sacked Carr too much other than at the end of the first half. And I think he just wanted to end the, the game with a bang instead of just a jump ball somewhere down at the you know the two-yard line or three-yard line. But there, there was just no no reason for it. I mean, Carr doesn't even have that kind of arm to, to throw you know a Hail Mary, which is really what should have been their only option. And, uh, you know, he hung the young cornerback out to dry. He'd been on the move and guy gets wide open and car hits him uh you know after car missed the last guy let me spell it out for you jake and jason e g o that's the explanation for the last play call this guy is an egomaniac we all know it like that's part of the charm of the cartoon character that is greg williams is you know he thinks he invented defense and i think you nailed it jason he wanted to sack he wanted the game to end on a sack but like lamar jackson's on one side Bryce Hall's on the other side. What are you doing? They just just have everyone deep and just don't let it go over your head. It's just, you know, crazy, crazy. I'm just wondering, Jason, for you, are you in the camp of lose every game? Are, are you rooting for them to lose? What's it like? What's the game experience like for you right now in terms of rooting for the Jets or rooting for them to lose? I, I was kind of hoping that they would win today. I, I don't want to see him finish 0-16. You know, it, it stinks for all those guys in that room. I mean, they, they do work hard. Uh, most of those players aren't going to be back. You know, a lot of those guys, this is their, this is their shot at the NFL. And to lose like that and, you know, to have everybody rooting against you, I mean, it does kind of stink. I mean, you do want the first pick. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want that. But I'm pretty confident with the way Jacksonville plays. They'll find a way to win another game. Um, so I, I think the Jets can win one game and still get the first pick overall. Yeah, it, it's a weird feeling, uh, Jason, as a Jets fan, because, you know, they throw the Hail Mary and hit it. And me, I'm celebrating like they just won the Super Bowl and they lost the game. It's kind of depressing that you you get excited about losing like this. And listen, I kind of agree with you. And the Jaguars should have, you know, almost did pull it off in overtime today. But I don't know, man. It's 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 now getting more and more stressful each week. This team keeps getting closer. You know, that Patriots game the final week, it's probably going to mean nothing for the Patriots. So I could see Belichick uh, throwing Stidham out there and all the backups and things getting a little dicey down the stretch. Yeah, you know, there, there's a couple games out there that will worry you. You know, this, this one I think was one because, you, you know, you had a team coming across uh, 
you know, across the country, one o'clock game, colder. Um, they're kind of an up and down team, the Raiders, you know, they, they play up some weeks, real down some other weeks. And, uh, you know, Jets still do have a couple of games on the schedule. You know, the Patriots would be one, uh, especially if they decide to go into evaluation mode of, you know, the, the backup quarterback or something like that in that last game. Uh, Jets, I think, play the Rams still. They're, they're another one of those teams that's kind of all over the place with the way they play. Um, even the Seahawks are down a lot right now. Uh, you know, they just lost to the Giants today. So, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are some games here that the Jets could possibly win a game. I don't know. After watching them lose today, it's just uh, hard to believe they can beat anybody. That was the game, <laughs> fellas. I, I, I'm, I hate to break it to you. That was the game. That was the one. I mean, what was – did anyone see what the win probability model was, you know, ESPN puts out? Like, what was it when before that third and ten? Do we know? Uh, I didn't be, even look at it. But, had to I be insanely high. Yeah, it, it had to be at like a 99.9. I mean, it's whatever the percentage is of a Hail Mary shot, I mean, was basically the only way you're going to pull that game off. And that's not a, you know, a real common occurrence, you know, especially if you start to take into account things just like the, the actual skill players that are out there for the Raiders. It's not like they have these, uh, I mean, they have fast players, but it's not like they have these big receivers that are going to jump up and jump over everybody, muscle you out. Yeah, that's not really them. So it was stunning. <laughs> yeah. Jason, I enough about 2020 <laughs> right i think i think jets fans one thing that they all agree on is they've already moved on from 2020 and are dreaming about the off season that's why we wanted to talk to you and i'll say this first off i couldn't do my job without jason's site like there are two websites out there that i go to almost every day and are invaluable jason's site and pro football reference those are huge if you're not visiting jason's site you're not following football correctly because we all are kind of obsessed with the salary cap and Jason breaks it down really easily for everyone on that site. And he's got great information on there. That leads me into Jason. This salary cap situation is going to be really interesting this year. Uh, And I saw there was a report today, I think from pro football talk that maybe it's not going to be as low as people thought it was. Can, Can you just give us a little overview of how you see the cap this, this year after a season when there were no fans and the effects of the pandemic are going to take place on it? Yeah, so I, I had asked a number of people early this season, and pretty much the consensus around everybody was that they really thought the cap would come in next year at 175, which is the lowest amount that it can go to. So most people were, were kind of under that thought. Uh, I would think that that still stands. I, I did see that report from, uh, I guess that was Mike Florio today, uh, where he said he heard that it might come higher. The only way that I would see that happening, because they, they negotiated it at this 175, the Players Association tried to do, in essence, what Florio was talking about, which was, you know, spread this over a 10-year period um, so there's not, no real hurt. And owners didn't want to do that at all. So the only thing that I could really think of is if they do think they're in the home stretch of some type of new television contract to where they think revenues are going to spike much higher in 2021 than they thought, uh, you know, th- then maybe uh, instead of dropping to, to that, you know, you're, you're working off a higher number to start from. So maybe that's really where that 195 uh, number comes in. I mean, the, the Jets will be fine in no matter what. Uh, but for the other teams around the NFL, you know, they, they'd be thrilled. How would it, like, can you explain just if it's 175, which that would be 23 million less than this year, right? How would, how does that benefit the Jets and how well positioned are they right now if that's the case? Well, it, it would benefit the Jets because what would happen is you, you'd have about a third of the NFL that is going to be over the cap. And those kind of things don't happen anymore. I mean, usually in a normal year, you get two or three teams that are over the cap that have to kind of shed salary to, uh, 
you know, to comply. So the Jets would really be in a position to maybe take on contracts from other teams and trades. Um, they'd be in a position to sign a lot of street free agents, you know, guys who get cut from other teams who are maybe still decent players. Uh, they might be able to make a more attractive offer while still maintaining the flexibility within the contract. So if I was the Jets, I'd actually rather see the cap at 175 next year because I think it gives you a little bit of a competitive advantage. And you can you, you need that competitive advantage because nobody is going to want to come and play in New York. Um, not for this team not right now until they, they show a little something with a rookie quarterback. So I think they benefit from the 175. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. They're, they're going to be in a good position no matter what. Jason, can you break down what the Jets are on the hook for next year and how much money or what, what the range is that they'll be able to spend in the offseason? Uh, it'll be a lot. I mean, right now we project them after they sign the futures players to be somewhere around $70 million in cap space, and that's based on a you know $175 million cap. They have a lot of flexibility within the roster, um, you know, to, to cut some players if they want to. You know, if they want to cut one of their guards, if they want to cut their uh, right tackle. Uh, there, there are players that they can move around um, to create more cap space. And so basically it's going to be, you know, them and the Jaguars. You talk about them neck and neck for the first overall draft pick. It's really them neck and neck probably as well for, you know, the, the top cap position leader and who can sell their franchise the best to some of these free agents. Jason, I'm usually a guy who says – sit out the first wave of free agency. I, you know, I've seen the Jets go down this road with Tremaine Johnson before, even in 2015 when it worked quick, was a short, quick fix with Revis and Cromartie and Gilchrist and all the Buster Screen and all those guys. But I, I usually say sit it out and then look for deals, look for value. That seems to be what the smart teams do. That being said, I, is this year, are there going to be better deals to be had in that early free agency because of what we're talking about? Like, is free agency going to be a little bit suppressed, the market? It, it could be. Um, you know, I, I think for the kind of free agents that, you know, certainly the Douglas targeted this year, I think it's going to be depressed for those types of players. Um, and even some of the higher end players, it might be, you know, they, they might want to jump much quicker at a contract, uh, you know, just because they're, they're afraid the money will vanish if somebody else takes it up. Um, so the numbers might be a little bit better. Uh, you know, the, the other thing that could be a little bit interesting is that I don't know what they're going to have for a combine this year. I, I don't know if they're really going to have anything. That does take away a little bit of the, uh, you know, the chatter that happens ahead of time where, you know, you really start to get a feel, especially for the high-end guys, if there are teams that are, you know, really willing to come in and, you know, just blow your way. You know, the way the, way the Jets did with C.J. Mosley a couple of years ago. So, I mean, that could be interesting if you, if you don't have those kind of things being discussed this year over, over dinner, over drinks, over whatever, you know, where it's taking place more over Zoom calls and your more official outlet. I, I'm kind of curious to see if that impacts it at all, too. Curious, you being a Jets fan as well, can you, you know, let some Jets fans lick their chops a little bit, Jason, and throw out a few names realistically that you and, and Joe Douglas – uh, maybe would go after. Obviously, the Jets have a billion holes to fill, but are there a couple names that you've thought about that they should be targeting? Well, I'm sure they're going to go after one of the two guards that's going to be there. Uh, you'll have Tooney come from New England and uh, Sheriff from uh, Washington will both be free agents. I think those are two players that they would probably look at, uh, you know, bring one of those guys in, maybe draft another guard as well, you know, to start to, you know, to continue to beef up that offensive line and improve it a little bit. Uh, you know, if they go a little bit crazy in um, in spending, I mean, there are wide receivers this year that are kind of interesting. I don't think the Jets are going to make a play for, you know, someone like an Allen Robinson. Uh, but, I mean, he's going to be out there. Kenny Galladay, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju, yeah. Juju's the guy I think I think uh, makes sense for them. He, he probably fits a little bit more with 
you know, what they want to do. And he probably isn't going to break the bank. And I, I think that's something more that Douglas will look at. So I, I think that is probably the name more uh, that would jump out. I, I don't know what Godwin's going to go for. He's, he's kind of had a little bit of an injury plague the year this year and a little bit of an odd man out at times in Tampa Bay. So I'm not sure. I mean, that, that could be another name that gets looked at. You know, I, I would look at, you know, some of those players maybe um, there. There's a couple pass rushers could be out there. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe, depending on what he's looking for, Bud Decree is going to come off an injury. I mean, that could be, that's risky. Um, but, you know, he's been really good over the last year and a half. Uh, you know, if you want to take a risk on someone, you know, maybe that's the kind of player that you take a risk on. Uh, I don't think they're going to find any cornerbacks in free agency this year. You know, I, I don't think that's a position of strength. Uh, you know, they, they could get a safety, but I, I mean, I, I would just think they're going to resign Marcus May and just figure something out to, to put somebody else there. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to spend big on someone like a Justin Simmons or something like that. You know, and the, the other one that would be interesting too, I think is Hunter Henry. Um, you know, if the Jets brought in a coach that wants to utilize that tight end position, he could be an interesting name maybe to look at. Yeah, for sure. I think what you just said is going to depend, is going to answer a lot of these questions is who's the coach where do they come from? Because it like these guys always want to bring in guys that they know, and so where they come from is going to be interesting. I'm curious, Jason. You know, we I, I've seen you got you tweet out the dead money every once in a while, and the Jets are way up there in dead money. Is it is are they going to be cl- pretty much clear of the dead money? I think Trumaine still counts next year, right? Because they did an after June first. What is their dead money situation next year? Do you know? Uh, let's see. Um, it's pretty high because Le'Veon Bell is still on there. Oh, Bell still counts too. So yeah. Yeah. So they're they're at fifteen seven already for next year. I mean, they they have the most dead money in the league. You know, and then you know, can they find someone to trade for C.J. Mosley? I mean, <laughs> that'll add some more to it. Uh, but I, I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna really look to keep him next year. So they they may get some costs on that, but. You know, they have so much cap space everywhere else. It's probably just wise to keep continuing to purge, get those bad contracts, the, uh, you know, bigger dollar figures out right now. And, you know, then you move forward with kind of a clean slate. What do you think overall about Douglas's approach when it comes to cap management? How do you think he's done so far as GM? Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. He's really only had one off season. Um, I don't think they really did too much this past off season. Uh, you know, I think there's been some growing pains with the way he's approached some of these negotiations. Um, you know, the same kind of stuff that I've always heard for years about the Jets is still exists now. You know, they slow play stuff. They one day they tell you, yeah, they're interested. The next day they just don't call you back. Then they'll call you back five days later and say, hey, you're still looking and you know, just kind of jumps around a lot. That might be an organizational thing uh, that just needs to get fixed. You know, it, it's just incomplete. You know, I, I think there's a little bit too much over-reliance on some of these name guys, you know, Ryan Khalil, uh, here to serve. It, you know, it, those are guys that they didn't need to bring in. Uh, I know some of them aren't really back-breaking contracts, but it's just uh, just kind of a waste of a signing. I, I, it's, just, it's just hard to grade. You know, incomplete <laughs> is really the best thing that you can do uh, with what's there. I mean, I guess people were probably disappointed this year because, you know, they didn't really make any kind of offer for Robbie Anderson to keep him. Uh, they didn't make any big splashy signings, even though they had a lot of space. But they have so many holes, so many starters that they need. Um, they need the last year. They're going to need this year. If you got to sign a lot of guys, you can't sign a bunch of big splashy guys. You just got to get a lot of bodies in here sometimes. And that's kind of what he's done. Jason Fitzgerald joining us. Jason, uh, you, you got dr- the drafting stage. You got crunching numbers. Any new books, any new other projects that you're working on right now? No, nothing too much. I mean, we'll, we'll do some stuff on OTC for free agency. Um, you know, hopefully 
sometime January, February, we'll get some stuff out a little bit more in depth on that. Um, time permitting, of course, <laughs> with uh, everything else that comes up. But that's it. I, I don't think we have any uh, any other books or anything coming out anytime soon. All right, Jason. Well, uh, enjoy these final four games as the tank for Trevor continues. You can follow Jason on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC. Check out overthecap.com. Uh, Jason, appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. That says goodbye to episode 54, the Victor Hobson edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out in producing the show. Show Gangs All Here some love on Apple Podcasts. Go in and give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We return to your headsets on Thursday to preview Jets Seahawks. We'll talk to you then, folks. And as always, stay safe. God damn.